Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're working our way through the seventh chapter of the book of Mark. As we open with verse 14, Jesus has just humiliated the Pharisees, the hypocritical religious leaders of the day, who had again tried to discredit Jesus in front of the people. And as always, their attempt backfired. And now he turned to the crowd and to his disciples to teach them another profound lesson. The question on the table, where does evil come from? What is it that defiles a man and makes him commit evil and guilty of evil? Jesus rejects the idea that it's something outside of ourselves, something we may find in our circumstances, maybe something that someone else does that is responsible for our sinful responses. Well, where does it come from? All you will ever need to commit every evil from the smallest to the greatest is always right there, not at your fingertips, but in your heart. Why do you, no matter who you are, need Jesus as your Savior? The answer is right here. Here is today's slice of the message entitled, Heart Disease. My friends, how do you get to heaven? How do you come to the Father? No one comes to the Father except by believing in the resurrection and two verses of Scripture, right? No. You can't have a gospel that has no sin mentioned, no cross mentioned, no death mentioned, no atonement mentioned. You you can't leave out the absolute essentials of it and say, this nice guy's going to be there. Oh, I hope he's there. I, I really hope that he is. That's not the point. The point is, what is the gospel? We have a lot of versions of that kind of folk religion. They want to get all the nice guys and nice people into heaven because they're missing the point that none of us are nice. And we'll get there in just a moment. Um, Justin Peters on our on our on our trip was talking at one of the one of the sites, um, and he said, "If you if you um, if you have believed in a comfortable gospel, you've believed in a false gospel. It's not there to make you comfortable. It's not there to reunite you with your loved ones. It's there to save you from your sin." So. Why illegalism never works? Because it doesn't deal with the right thing. So what is it that can't defile you? Look at verses 17 through 19. Uh, Here's one of those situations where, you know, the disciples weren't the bold, spirit-filled preachers yet. And this is one of the cases where them not being there and not putting it together yet meant that they asked the, the question that led Jesus to give a great clarification that helps us a lot. So Mark 7, 17 through 19. When he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. Now, it's interesting, uh, Jesus hadn't called anything a parable. Now, he had used a couple of analogies about 
blind guides and what goes into the mouth, etc. But um, so I guess you can understand why they called it a parable. But it wasn't a parable. He was telling them the truth. He was just using a little bit of an analogy. Anyway, he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated? Mark adds, thus he declared all foods clean. Now, don't come up and argue with me later saying, well, Jesus had never heard of tainted romaine lettuce. Something can go into you and defile you. Yeah, you can put stuff in your body that will defile you physically, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual things. And he makes a pretty strong point. Our, our Bible translators have spared us just how graphic Jesus actually was. In the New American Standard, I just read to you, it says, goes into the mouth and into the stomach and is eliminated. Or the NIV says, and then out of the body. Jesus literally said it goes into the mouth, into the stomach, and is cast out into the latrine. You know what he was talking about, right? Thus he declared all foods clean. That's a really interesting little thing to insert here. Remember, Mark wrote this gospel to a Roman audience. He had the advantage of hindsight as he was looking back to this event. He was influenced very heavily by Peter in writing this gospel. So he knew about Peter's experience in Joppa when God gave Peter the vision that removed all of the Old Testament dietary laws, and Mark connected the dots. He was saying, when it comes to spiritual things, what you eat doesn't matter. By the way, if you ever hear anybody tell you that it can affect your spiritual life one iota based on what you eat and don't eat, walk away. Leave them alone. They're blind guides of the blind. That's absolute nonsense. And, it, and in Israel's case, even when there were, the dietary laws were in effect, it was to set them apart from the other nations, not to somehow bring them into a relationship with God. But don't get sidetracked from the real message here. What's the spiritual issue? Is it what you eat? No. Is it whether your hands have had the mystical, spiritual disinfection? No. What determines whether you stand clean before God or not is whether you deal with what is already in your heart. And heart is the most significant theological word in this, te- in this text. I bet you can even remember the Greek word if I tell, you, tell it to you. It's cardia. Ever heard cardiac? Everything to do with heart comes from this word. Only spell it with a K because they didn't have a hard C in, in Greek. Um, the Greek word cardia, it's a very important word for biblical anthropology, the doctrine of man. It's one of several overlapping words that describe the real you. There's your physical part, that's your body, and there's the non-physical part of you, which is the real you, the part that will, that will live forever. The body will be resurrected into a form to suit eternity. 
But this word is, uh, overlaps with several other words. Soul, spirit, flesh, the evil part of you, mind, will, and conscience. All of those words describe the non-physical part of you, and, they, and they're very much intermingled and overlap. But the broadest one of those terms is the word heart. You'll find it used 955 times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and only rarely does it refer to a physical organ inside your chest. Its general use is for the inner man, and it seems that heart is, if you will, the center of your being. Um, In an analogy that would have made no sense even 30 years ago, think of your heart when it comes to spiritual things as the CPU. It's the central processing unit. That's that part of your computer that makes everything else work. That's what your heart is. So as it's used in the Bible, the heart is the seat of your intellectual life. It's the seat of your emotional life. We tend to emphasize that in our culture. It's part of it in Greek, not in Greek and Hebrew, not the whole thing. It's the seat of your volitional life where you make your decisions and your choices. It's the seat of your spiritual life. It's where you respond to God. And you can say that in both the Old and New Testaments, the heart is the control center of the person. From the heart flow the issues of life. So guard your heart, says Proverbs. Jesus connected the heart with sin of all kinds. And, and, and there's the other side of the coin. Yes, there's sin in your heart, but look at the other side of this. Psalm 19, 119, verses 111 and 112. David writes, I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. So in your heart, you respond to the testimonies, the Word of God. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever even to the end. So do you see it? What a crucial statement it is. Jesus says, Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him spiritually? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. That's why legalism never works. Legalism deals with stuff on the outside. And no one can ever become spiritually mature from the outside in. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit from the inside out. As the Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment, as the Spirit makes alive, as the Spirit grants repentance, as the Spirit calls a person to to faith in in Jesus Christ, as the Spirit draws a person to, to the Son so that He can come to the Father. What can't defile you is things that you touch or taste. Those things are not the issue. So it doesn't make sense to try to become spiritually mature by making up rules about external things. So why legalism never works? Because it doesn't deal with the problem. What can't defile you is what's on the outside. So number three, where the problem lies. I think you know where this is going. You need to fight the battle where it needs to be fought. Listen and heed to these crucial words of Jesus. The end of our text for today, Matthew or Mark, Mark rather, chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. And he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man 
That is what defiles the man. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.